Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, great to have Sergeant Lawrence Ford in studio. The Invictus Games in Toronto, September 23rd to 30th. A couple people texting about TV coverage. TSN will have coverage. I don't know if they're going to have a lot of live stuff, but you will be able to see a little bit, bit uh, of it there. We've had a couple Invictus game athletes on the show in the last few weeks. Uh, Melanie Harris uh, was in a few weeks ago. She's going to be doing sitting volleyball and archery. And uh, Lauren, of course, doing indoor rowing and wheelchair rugby. So all the best to them. Darrell Walker back with the Eskimos. Uh, you heard from him earlier on the show. We'll have some comments from GM Brock Sunderland as we move along. Walker expected to play Saturday against Calgary. The D-line getting a little healthier with uh, Euclid Cummings and Daquan Bowers back at practice. Philip Hunt might be in the mix as well, so that's all good news for the green and gold. Neil King, the safety, still a week left on the six-game DL, but he's been practicing, so uh, maybe the Eskimos will look more as uh, as Moss and Sunderland envisioned them to at the start of the season before all these injuries hit. Oilers players skating at Rogers Place. Not everybody there, but about two-thirds of the players on the ice for, for some uh, scrimmaging and stuff like that. Drake Kajula had a pretty good rookie season, and he's back from his summer break. It was good. Short and sweet. Um, had some time to kind of just, uh, just be a regular person and just go on vacation and take some time to myself and then uh, you know, once I got back from vacation, it was time to get back to work and um, you know, really grind out for the summer and, and get ready for camp. Are you a what-if type of guy, given how close you guys were to beating Anaheim, or do you park it pretty quick and look ahead? Uh, maybe uh, for a few days after, you're a little, a little sour, a little bitter, and um, you know, you kind of say, what if this, what if that? But uh, you know, you gotta, you know, just live with it and, and move on and, and take away as many lessons from that as you can. Um, you know, through the, throughout the entire playoff run and all of last season, there's a lot of lessons that could be learned, and um, you know, hopefully we bring that with us in the next season. You changed numbers. You actually went higher. A lot of guys go from a, from a higher to a lower one once they are coming into their second season. Uh, how come you're going to 91? Uh, well, I've always uh, worn numbers with nine in it, and uh, I wore nine uh, for uh, four years of college, and um, I, I wanted to wear nine here. Obviously, it's retired, so I couldn't wear it, and uh, the training staff asked uh, what my second choice would have been, and uh, I told them 19 would have been my second choice, but obviously Patty's wearing that, and um, they suggested that they could flip it around and wear 91, and I said, if that's okay with the organization, that's uh, you know that's fine by me. It's uh, you know it's a nice number. Um, obviously, there's some pretty talented players out there that wear this number, and uh, you know hopefully I can uh, kind of live up to it, I guess. All right, trivia time. Name the two other Oilers to have ever worn 91. Oh. Oh, uh, Pay Arvey's one. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can't think of the second one. Mike Comrie. Oh, Mike Comrie. There you, you remember, go. Remember him? Yes, I do. I do remember him. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, look, I mean, a year ago, uh, at this time, you would have been pretty excited. 
And then, you know, obviously the things got a little bit derailed with, with, with the injury. So, I mean, is staying healthy priority number one here for the next few weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you got to get your work in. You got to, you know, go through the go through the grind of training camp and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's, a, it's a tough time of the year. But, you know, you spend all summer trying to get healthy and, and recover from last year. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm feeling healthy and strong this year. What about when you see the long-term commitment from Leon and Connor? It's got to put a little bit of a spring in your step when you saw those deals signed. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime your uh, your big stars want to stick around for as long as they uh, decided to, it's uh, you know it, it gives a lot of energy to the group, and uh, you know it shows that they're uh, showing a lot of trust in our group here, and um, you know we're happy to have them back for as long as we do, and uh, I know they're going to lead the charge, and hopefully everyone follows suit. You know, we often asked uh, we often asked Coach McClellan about Leon's position, and he just calls him a forward. I mean, yeah. are you a forward? Because you even on right wing with McDavid in the playoffs, you look pretty good. Is that how you see yourself at this point, or what do you think? Yeah, I like to think I can play, uh, you know, all different kinds of roles: higher up in the lineup, lower up, uh, lower in the low not, uh, lineup, but uh, left wing, right wing, a little bit of center. Um, you know, obviously uh, playing center last year wasn't. Uh, wasn't the best. I, I, there's a lot of things I could have worked on, and um, but uh, it's been a long time since I played center. But uh, going back to that, I think I can play all three positions, and um, you know, just try and do whatever the coaches ask, and um, you know, try and fill that role best I can. All right, there's Drake Kajula skating with the Edmonton Oilers at the community rink at Rogers Place today. You heard from Milan Lucic earlier in the show. Don't forget, September 12th at the rec room, Lucic is going to be one of the guys on hand for the Ice Guardians screening to uh, benefit the Semenko family. And uh, Lucic had some really intelligent comments about that movie and the role of the enforcer. Kevin Carius in studio from Global Television. Kevin, thanks for stopping by. Always good to be here. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, good to see you. So I, I had the uh, little trivia question for Drake Kajula. <laughs> Love doing that, yeah. you guys on the spot. So you get it as well. Because he just again. he just pulled in and missed it. He quizzed for Carrius. So Kajula's switching from thirty six to ninety one, because he likes the number number nine. Nine can't have that. No, can't have uh, nineteen. Nineteen's out. Maroon's got it. So he took ninety one. Name the other two Oilers historically to have worn ninety one. So MPS is one. Yes, and that's the recent one. And how far back is the other one? It's within the last fifteen years. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to think on it now. So. <laughs> I don't have it off the top of my head. Do you want to leave it in the back of your mind, or do you want to give you a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. He's from Edmonton. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to still think on it. Uh, 91 from Edmonton. Furniture. Furniture? (laughs) I'm just trying to think all the guys from Edmonton that played... Oh, Mike Comrie. Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. just want to say furniture store furniture, or yeah. the brick. Yeah, Mike Comrie, yeah. Away. No, but he was at 89 after. He did, but he, he did have 91 at one time. 91 yeah. is before? Because I double-checked the media guide. As you know, they list every right. play. Even a guy came up for one game and mm-hmm. or whatever number. He, so, But Mike was 89 for his first stint. And then did he change it for his second one? Did he go to 91? I think so, yeah. Or was he 91 at the start of his first stint and then went to 89? Did he change? Yeah, it doesn't have the years, so I have to double check. Because, well, then Gagne had 89, right? Gagne after, yeah. Were they ever teammates, though? No, I don't know. I don't think they would have been. It's all a bit of a blur after Mm -hmm, a while. It is, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm kind of thinking that Mike would have done it the second time around. Maybe Gagne was there and had an 89 maybe for a year. Did, maybe they did overlap yeah. for a year. I didn't think to check that. But anyway, there's the quiz for Carius. Hmm. Did you, anyone else get it? I'll give you a... Well, I didn't put it out there. Oh, Drake I, didn't get it. Well, Drake knew PRV. Yeah. Uh, he did not know 
He did not know Comrie. Well, I tell him. So I'm we, a little. You, you were close, right? I you mean, at least three quarters. At least you didn't ask me the starting lineup of the 1927 Yankees well, again, which you knew like two thirds of it. Well, I knew you maybe three, baited, three or four you guys. Kind of baited me into that one. Well, I knew the 77, 78 Yankees. Oh, that's not, what it was. Yeah, that's not a, the 1927. Did you know the entire 77, 78 Yankees? Oh, absolutely. I uh, could give it right Reggie now. Reggie Jackson's the only one I remember. Reggie Jackson was in right field. Sure. Center field was a platoon between Oscar Gamble and Roy White. Nice. Lou Pinella was in left. Okay. Greg Nettles at third base. Bucky Dennett short. Willie Randolph at second. At first base was Chris Chambliss. And then at catcher was Thurman Munson. And that was, uh, well, that was a terrible joke about Thurman Munson because he died in that plane well, crash. Don't tell I'm it. not going to tell. It's awful no, because yeah. he, he was my favorite player as a 10-year-old kid. Uh, but, uh, Chris Chambliss. Then they had, well, they had, and then they had, uh, you know, they had, well, Ron Guidry was probably their ace, and then Goose Gossage was their closer. Was Hunter still pitching? Tommy. Oh, catfish. <laughs> uh, catfish might have been there at the end. He might have been there at the at the end, but uh, yeah, Gidry was their was their ace. Catfish came over from the A's. Was Gossage on that team? Goose Gossage oh, was the closer. Man. Yeah, and then he went to San Diego. He went after. I remember guys more where they were in the early eighties because Chambliss or Chambly, as yeah. I like to call him, he Ron was Davis, brave, wasn't he? Yeah, Ron Davis was the setup man. He was pretty good too. And but relievers they, were used a lot. And then, differently and they had five managers. One of them was Billy Martin. That's right. They, <laughs> they changed managers more or less every couple of weeks yeah. at Steinbrenner's whip. That, that's incredible. That's one of your favorite teams of all time. Well, the 70s. Yeah, because at that time, they played the Dodgers in the back-to-back World Series. That's right. And the Dodgers had a great team, too. They had Ron Say at third, uh, Bill Russell at short, Davey Lopes at second, Steve Garvey at first. Mm-hmm. Ron uh, Yeager, no, uh, I always want to call him Chuck Yeager, was catching. (laughs) Mike Sosha was there a little bit too. Right. They had Dusty Baker in right field. Um, I can't remember the other two guys. I don't remember the outfield. But they were, and they had some great pitchers too. You know, they had some, like Bob Welch was throwing. He was a young kid that come up for the the Dodgers, and he was just throwing 100 miles an hour. You'd swear his arm was going to fall off every pitch. (laughs) Yeah, the pitch counts there were a little more. And Tommy Lasorda. I mean, you can't ask for, when you got Tommy Lasorda managing against Billy Martin, you can't ask for anything better than that. That's pretty cool. You know. And teams, I, I mean, there. I mean, we we referenced Catfish Hunter because he was one of the first guys to really Do take it to free, court. We free should be agency, free agents. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a lot of times, if you had a good twenty-year-old, well, you had him till you got oh, tired of him forever. So I mean, the A's yeah. and Reds were good in the seventies. Obviously, I think Yankees Vita Blue was another one of those right. guys that didn't he wear his first name on the back of his jersey? <laughs> didn't he have Vita on the back? <laughs> and Roly Fingers was another guy that kind of went in. Yeah. You know, see, see from that era because I was so little, I yeah. remember more of what guys the pictures looked, looked like on, their, they on their, their ball cards as opposed to their stats yeah, yeah. on their ball cards. Oh. <laughs> Kevin Carey, Sid Studio, seven fifteen, Inside Sports on Chet. It's pouring in Boston. Red Sox lead the Blue Jays five one in the bottom of the sixth. I guess it now is an official game if yeah. they decide enough's enough tonight. Uh, Darrell Dar- Walker. I mean, look, I, I know uh, the the easy comment is to say, well, they don't need a receiver. Um, but I don't know if you want him going somewhere else if he wants to come here. And clearly, clearly, I think he wanted to be here because you can float around on NFL practice rosters or wait for a phone call all fall if you want. You, you could say you don't need a receiver, but you need Darrell Walker. You need Darrell Walker. So if there's not a if there's a guy that's maybe be whatever seventy percent the talent of Darrell Walker is, then maybe you don't need him. But you got Darrell Walker now. Now you got your two big nuts again with uh, Darius and and Darrell that are you know one well, two. Well, but I think Zilstra and, and Walker are now sure. the one two receivers. 
Well, I think Bowman's still... I'm not saying he's finished, but Zilstra, to me, is better at this point. I wouldn't count a Darius Bowman out of anything here yet. I mean, just wait till when... You know, he's been hurt here for, what, he's missed six games. Comes back, wasn't really a factor. I wouldn't be counting that guy out at all. Fair enough. I, I just think going into this weekend, I mean, Zilstra is... He's been the guy. I mean, he's the all-around guy. Well, now you have a full package. So you have Williams a compliment. Williams is dangerous. Yeah. You know, uh, Watson will be the Canadian. And mm-hmm. I know everybody's down on him about the fumble, but he's made some pretty good plays off yeah. that similar little throw. Williams right? will be the odd man out now, you would think. Uh, well, from practice today, it looked yeah. like Stafford might be out. I think they got to leave Duke in just because he's got that reach and that jumping ability. Well, they now now you're looking at ratios and everything like that. Sure. Too, so, so they got to take know. they got to take an American out because yeah. Chambers will be the backup. Yeah. Uh, so. And you know McCarty will be I think in and out and Lashard. You got Canadians that can come in at running back. Uh, and yeah, then Perkins depends what package you're running. You know, yeah, ex- so. exactly. But it looked. It look, I mean, David Morley were, the, were were telling me like it looked like you know Stafford might be the odd man out. We'll see how it goes throughout the mm-hmm. week. Seven eighteen. We're going to take a quick uh, timeout. You'll hear a little bit. From uh, Brock Sunderland, as we move along, we're going to have Jeff Reinbold on the show, fired by the Tiger Cats as their defensive coordinator about a month ago. So now he's driving John Chick stuff across the country. It's a pretty cool story. All coming up on Inside Sports. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, J.C. Sheriff out for the season. I mentioned they uh, might be getting some help on the D-line. Cummings, Bowers, Hunt, all possible. Trayvon Van getting closer at running back. Uh, Simeon Rotier maybe on the O-line this week. And, of course, Darrell Walker is back. More on that on 630Ched.com. I'm Reed Wilkins. Kevin Carries is here. The Stampeders have won 15 of the last 18 games against the Eskimos. That includes playoffs. They'd won 12 in a row. Then Edmonton won three in a row. Now the Stamps have won three in a row again. The Calgary Flames, by the way, signing Sam Bennett today. Two-year deal worth $1.95 million per year. We were talking about uh, Mike Comrie's number. And this texture says, Comrie played in 09-10 with Gagne couldn't take 89, so he took 91 because he was selected 91st in the draft. Uh, Comrie, 43 games with the Oilers in 09-10, wound up with 21 points. Here's a quiz for Carius. Don't look. You already <laughs> okay. looked. I, mean, I can't see that far. Well, that's um, interesting. Well, wow, that, that changes everything. You well. can't see that far. Uh, who led the Oilers in scoring in 09-10? By a wide margin, by over 20 points. That I might know. <laughs> I, I think I might know that one. Who is Was it? Was it Dustin Penner? Dustin Penner. Okay, yeah. Had 63 points. Because he had, what do you have for goals? 30, 32, 32 goals. 32 goals, yeah. Uh, and he was plus six. Uh, 32 goals, 63 points. Gagne was second, only played 68 games. He had 41 points. Gilbert Brule, the third Ugh. leading scorer on the Oilers that year. Boy, that was that's that was kinda... a tough. I mean, Ryan Patalny was the Oilers' sixth leading scorer. <laughs> he had 16 goals, didn't he? Uh, 15. 15. Yeah. Worked yeah. hard. He worked hard, but yeah, for for a guy that have 15 goals, he he got a lot of opportunity to play. How's that sound? Yeah, exactly. Well, team's better now. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about the. Let, let's just finish up with the with the Eskimo stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if if they get a little bit of strength back on the D line, clearly that's that's going to help. Having said that, you're playing the best oiled machine in the CFL. Um, I was going to say, as as big of a signing Walker is, 
to get Cummings and Bowers back. And I, you know what? I mean, Armando Sewell's playing with like kind of half a upper body, let's be honest, um, and still doing an admirable job. But they need to get a little more of a rotation going like they had before when they were successful, uh, guys in and out. And um, that'll be key if they can get those guys back. You said it, Calgary is by far and away the class of the league. I mean, you asked me last week what would happen. I said, well, Calgary, I think Calgary, was, they're going to win again mm-hmm. on Saturday. They're that, they're that much better than everyone else right now. And they are playing almost mistake-free football. And when any other team is making a mistake, they're pouncing on that mistake and making them pay. And that's one of their main reasons for success. Yeah, and they don't make mistakes themselves. I no. mean, sure, they not, take not the glaring. penalty. Not glaring. Yeah. I mean, you know, and when Bo Levi threw that pick, and that was probably on the receiver, it's mm-hmm. out of hand in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the Eskimos are going to have to play a tighter game. Jason Moss put it well. It's hard enough playing the Stampeders, but we were playing the Eskimos for a lot of the first half as well. So that, that didn't help, and it spun out of control. It's interesting, too, with the Stamps, Kevin. They won 14 games two years ago. But so did the Eskimos uh-huh. and, and lost to Edmonton in the West Final. They won 15 last year. And speaking of beating yourselves, I mean, kind of we're sloppy through most of the Grey Cup and we're playing catch. I mean, if they win the last two Grey Cups, you're talking about one of the best team, best eras in league history. How many Grey Cups has Calgary won in the last 10 years and they've been a dominant team? Uh, just two, right? They won 08 and they won 13. Mm-hmm. No, 13 and 08 and 14. Okay. We'll be looking that up, their exact dates. But yep. so, you and know, it's interesting with them because they had three teams that went 15 and 3 in yeah. the 90s, didn't, didn't so win. So they have been up. dominating, the, they've been the most dominating team in the, in the last decade, but they have not, they don't have the championships to show it. We'll talk a bit more about this when we get back. I want to get uh, the Brock Sutherland comment on Darrell Walker. We'll have Jeff Reinbold on the show about driving from Hamilton to Edmonton and why he's doing it. All coming up inside Sports on Jeff. Chet Eskimos home to the Stamps on Saturday. Darrell Walker back in Edmonton. Here's GM Brock Sunderland. My understanding is every CFL team was throwing their hats in the ring, so which they should. You have the inside track, obviously. It's nice. He's familiar here, knows the system, knows the players, knows the quarterback. Simple for him. All the above. Well, I mean, I don't, it wasn't as simple as <laughs> we were hoping, but yeah, I think all those things certainly played into it as far as uh, he likes it here. The, it's a great organization. It treats all the players well. Knows the quarterback, knows the system, same same coaching staff from last year. So I think that really helped a lot, absolutely. Is it is it nice timing also just, you know, on a three-game losing streak just to kind of have that, that little boost maybe? Yeah, I, th- I think that always helps. But uh, anytime you get a player of his caliber, whether we're, you know, 16-0 and we get him for two weeks, it's a nice to have a guy like that. So, But certainly I think there's energy in the locker room and on the practice field again today just adding a dimension like that for sure. All right, Eskimos GM Brock Sunderland talking to Dave Campbell and uh, Quint Phillips from Global Television. and Weasel the question in there. Weasel the question in there. Well, clearly every team is going to ask. But, I mean, Walker was here 
And uh, so, you know, the Eskimos would have had a bit of an inside track there. And, uh, you know, knows Riley. He's won here. So coming back to a good situation, he's definitely going to help. Got a text here to 630-630. Please tell Karius he played like Munson when he played minor ball in Melville. <laughs> he was that good. That's from his first baseman. Oh, my goodness, Kevin. Getting some love on the text line. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, you played in the SJHL, so you were mm-hmm. a pretty good hockey player. Were you yeah. a good baseball player as well, or was that like your, your side thing? Um. To be honest with you, if I think I might have been a better baseball player than hockey. Really? Um, we were, you know, we were from a small town in, in Melville. And at that time, when we were growing up, a guy named Terry Poole, uh, he made the major leagues out of Melville. P-U-H-L, right? P-U-H-L. Yeah. And, and I think I'd be fair. And, of course, he was everyone's idol. You know, Astros? I mean, he played in Houston for yeah. about 10 years. And he was, like, I would say he was about a 280 career hitter. He was a would have been a gold glover. Um, he was a very, very good uh, fielder. But, you know, for him to come out of a town like Melville, at the time, there weren't any many Canadians in the major how leagues. How did he even get spotted? Well, that's how good he was. He was meant to play in the major leagues. They had, in the ni- early 1970s, they had a really, really good team, uh, midget team in Melville, and he was uh, probably the best player at that point in wherever the Canadians were and they went to the Canadians and I, I don't know if they won but they I think they did quite well and he would have been scouted from there but for for kids to grow up and have a kid uh, you know have a, a person from a town of 5,000 make it to the major leagues yeah, no unheard of he would have been like before Larry Walker came along he would have been probably the best positional player ever because Jenkins play. would have been... Ferguson Jenkins was the yeah. best player ever as a pitcher to come out of Chatham. Yeah. But Terry Poole would have been the best positional player yeah. to, to play in the major leagues, I'm betting. I uh, played... Okay, here's another quiz for Kyrgios. This okay. is fun tonight. Oh, boy. Played his entire 15-year career with Houston, except for 15 games with what team? New York Mets. Kansas City Royals. Okay, in fair enough. But he went to New York Mets camp, and he was going to be the left-handed uh, pinch hitter off the bench. And a guy named Mackie Sasser was the backup catcher, and he ended up getting that Chuck Knobloch disease. Couldn't this throw. Is, couldn't throw back to the pitcher. Yeah. So on that staff, they had, like, uh, Doc Gooden, David Cohn, Sid Fernandez, yep. all these guys, and Mackie Sasser couldn't throw it back to these guys, and they were getting so mad <laughs> because they are like, you know, flailing their arms trying to catch the ball, so Mackie Sasser ended up to be the left-handed pitch hitter. So you you are right, but he did go to the Mets uh, for, for training, preseason and everything. You're bang on about his... Uh, now, we should say his last two years, he didn't he didn't play a lot, but still, 15 years total, over 1,500 games for Terry Poole. You were bang on with his career average was right on 280. He hit 303 as a 31-year-old in 88, 301 as a 27-year-old in 84. And I mean, not uh, not a lot of power. Now the uh-huh. home run numbers were not as no. As gaudy, he wasn't a power. He, homers and he probably had a lot of bags. Check out his stolen bases. He probably he'd be a 20, 20 stolen base guy for yep. sure. Had 32, 30, right. 27. You know, when he was kind of in yeah. that early to mid twenties range, when you're stealing a little more. He was what, 17 career steals in 1500 games. A lot. Not, not bad. When I uh, started my career in Yorkton, he was one of the. He was basically my first big interview that I ever did. Yeah. We had a show called uh, with Jay Boyd. who was back in Yorkton and. Forget the name of sports something, but anyway, I got Terry Poole to do a half an hour interview. No, uh, we got to try to get him on the show. Sure, next time you're on. Yeah, I've done a couple banquets with him and, and stuff like that. Oh, we he should told, get, we should get him yeah, on for sure. phone interview. Well, here's the other thing, you know, uh, and I thought about him actually a lot because he still lives in Houston, and I'm I'm wonder I was wondering about how he was affected, you know, by by the hurricane and everything like that. So I actually thought about him a lot in the last couple of weeks. 
We should try to get him on the show. I'll, I'll do that there's for you. Little, uh, yeah. There's a little yeah, side project for, for you. He told, he told uh, a, a quick, do I got time for a quick one? Oh, absolutely. So he was playing uh, at, at, in Chicago at, at Wrigley Field. And Ferguson Jenkins was uh, on the mound. Okay. And, of course, you know, he would have been a big hero of Terry Poole's at the time. And uh, Terry uh, was in the batter's box, and Ferguson Jenkins plunked him right on the thigh. <laughs> and he was sort of hobbling around in the batter's box, and, and Ferguson Jenkins went to get the ball because it was just out in front of home plate. And he kind of picked the ball up and looked at Terry and said, Sorry about that, Canuck. <laughs> And just turned around, you know, Fergie was about, what, six foot seven, yeah. you know, very slow, lumbering pitcher, goes back to the mound and, and uh, you know, just goes on his merry way. Uh, somebody else texting in, this is awesome, we got a huge Melville oh, really? tonight. Well, I think you increase our listenership from 14 to 17 when you come on. My dad coached Terry Poole in minor ball, made him what he was, and then this texter adds, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, there was, there was actually, I don't know if the, well, the, the texter, there was a guy back at the same time as Terry Poole. His name was John Mazarek, who was every bit of ta- bit of the same talent as Terry was, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't have have the drive and things like that. Um he never ended up going to play anywhere and just stayed in Malville, actually. But so be it. That's what he wanted to yeah. do. But uh, Terry had the drive, and, he, you know, he, he made it up through the ranks and ended up center fielder for the Astros and right field for a long time. So, sorry, what position did you play, Kevin, or did you move uh, I moved back then. We moved around. I yeah. mean, I caught, played third and wherever. Did you ever pitch? It's usually everybody Well, when pitch, you're right? 12 years old, you did. You everybody know. has the pitch. Yeah, we won provincials uh, twice. Okay. So we won the province. No, against had, other communities of the same size, or was everybody in together? Bigger communities. We beat Todd McClellan when he was uh, when we were uh, when we were uh, let's see, twelve years old. He was playing in Saskatoon at the time. Okay. Todd was on the was a team called the Saskatoon Red Sox. They had some great players uh, back then, and we ended up playing them in the provincial final and beat them. And then two years later, they beat us in the provincial final to go to Western Canadians. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. so. Even with Todd was a pretty good ball player too. Well, now he references yeah. baseball a yeah. lot. Like if he's making an analogy with another sport when he's answering a question mm-hmm. or talking about something, he often uses baseball. Yeah. So yeah, I, I knew he liked the sport a lot, but uh, yeah, I didn't know you guys had a head-to-head history. Oh yeah, That's pretty cool. it was it was battle royale, <laughs> <laughs> and the same through in hockey too because we always ended up playing. Back then, I think the teams in Saskatoon were. Oh, they were the Raiders, and they had some really good players on on Todd's team. And we ended up playing them up through Bantam, all the way. And then Todd broke away at that point. He ended up going up. You know, I think he played Blades. You know, as a 16-year-old or right. whatever it was. And and then back then the Triple A Midget League came. And it was just well, it was Double A Midget back then. It was just starting out. Okay, so did you then. play? What was the midget then you had well, in Melville I, I to actually get noticed played, by the SJ? I actually played, uh, we, we were the first year of the Yorkton Parkland Maulers, so I went and played midget there. Okay. We had, and we had, uh, we lost to Notre Dame to go to the Air Canada Cup that year in the provincial and final. And Notre Dame win almost all the time. Yeah, they won all the time. But uh, our third, like, well, our backup goalie was Tim Shevelday. That's how good we were. Oh, neat. Yeah, so he, you know, he had a great NHL career. He was a 15-year-old and he was, uh, you know, we were 16, but... Yeah, we had an unreal team, but uh, the, those Notre Dame teams, you weren't touching them. Right. Even even in uh, four years later, I can remember being a 20-year-old yep. uh, playing, and Notre Dame had uh, an all-star, well, basically an all-star team of 17-year-olds. And they in the w- SJ. In the SJHL. <laughs> oh, they were all 17 except for two guys. They had a defenseman, and they had a goalie. Their goalie turned out to be pretty decent. 
and it was Curtis Joseph. Right. Their captain is a 17-year-old who was probably the best player in the league, maybe in all of Canada, was Rod Brindamore. Right. Yeah, I think you mentioned that yeah. before. And they just slaughtered everybody. I mean, they went on. Went, they won the. They won the Centennial Cup back then, or right. whatever Royal with Bank no, Cup with no nineteen. With, with yeah, just all seventeen-year-olds. Every guy got a scholarship <laughs> to the states as a seventeen-year-old. Oh, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to have the Jeff Reinbold interview coming yeah. up, Kevin. This, th- those were those were fun stories for sure. Okay, so let's each do a prediction. We kind of informally. Well, you did one last week. You're picking Calgary. Yeah. Should we do a? Let's do scores just for. Well, the fun I said of it. 20 points was the last game. I said 20, and yeah. it was what 19 or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, thir- 39-18. Uh, I'll go. So we'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I think Calgary will win by 14. Okay. Well, to be different and to be a homer. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Edmonton by 10. I want to see the Ed- Obviously, I'd love breaks, to see the Eskimos make a win. Big play on special yeah. teams and they'll figure it out. Obviously, I'd love to see the Eskimos win. I, w- I want to see. Oh, yeah, we're the not local, who you're but, I, mean, I just, I just, to. I mean, any other team. It's just Calgary's that good. All right, we got. Well, <laughs> we might have to do a Melville theme show, especially next summer. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to get Terry Poole on. We'll get Terry. If we on. get Terry Poole yeah. on, and we'll yeah, some Wednesday night we'll do that. Kevin, thanks for coming. You betcha. Enjoy the Jeff Reinbold interview coming. You betcha. Yeah, thanks. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. A few weeks ago, John Chick, defensive lineman, was traded from Hamilton to Edmonton. A few weeks ago, Jeff Reinbold was fired as Hamilton's defensive coordinator. John Chick needs to get his stuff to Edmonton. Jeff Reinbold is driving it here, and he joins us on the show now. Jeff, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. So here's the million-dollar question. Where are you right now? Right now, it's kind of, you got some timing, brother. I'm just about ready to cross into Alberta from Saskatchewan. Awesome. Where did you start this morning? I started this morning morning somewhere in the wilds of Wisconsin. I'm not exactly sure. I'm a little bit like Forrest Gump. Uh, he, He ran, I just drive. All right. So for for people who don't know, and they should follow you on Twitter, by the way, if they don't, because you're an interesting guy on social media, it's the Chickspedition. So tell us, just give us the background for this. How, how did this How did this come to be, and, you know, what does this journey involve? Give people the nuts and bolts here, Jeff. Well, you know, John played for us when he came back from uh, Jacksonville. He went to Saskatchewan. We got him. He's an outstanding guy. I mean, he's one of the – he's a rare guy. And so when he when he got traded from Hamilton to Edmonton, obviously tough timing. They're in their bye week. He's got to go play a game. Catherine, his wife, they got eight children. And here she is. She got – I mean, I felt – it was like watching my mother because, you know, my, my dad was a coach and my mom raised five kids. Catherine's raising eight kids. And – you know, they, those women have to do an awful lot on their own. Well, she was going to try and drive, if you can believe this, eight kids from Hamilton to Edmonton. And, you know, I helped, a group of us went over trying to help them pack up their stuff. And John called me and, and said, I really don't feel good about Cap making that trip. Uh, can, you, can you help me find somebody that would run my stuff out to me? And I, I made a few calls. Then I just thought, I said, you know what? This is a great opportunity to not just talk about it, but to be about it. Because we always talk to the players about, you know, it's a family thing. It's brotherhood. We're together. 
or you can count on me, all that kind of stuff that you can either let it be cliche in your life or you can let it be what your life is. And, and it's been an amazing blessing to be able to try to help John by, by packing up this van and putting a trailer on it, hauling it. I don't know how many miles it's been to, uh, I hope to get into Edmonton this evening. Jeff, that's that's incredible. So you mentioned so you got a van, and then there's another trailer of stuff behind it. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. Now you gotta understand, I'm not a big car guy, right? You know, I got a little two door Jeep. I, you know, again, so it's a it's a little bit <laughs> funny when you're rolling with this thing because you got to remember you got not just the length of this thing, this huge van with old eight kids. You got it's like driving with a school bus and a trailer behind it. And I've had a couple near misses. Uh, I don't want to lie, and uh, but it's been a, it's been an amazing ride. It's been a phenomenal trip. You know, Canada is such a beautiful country. I had an opportunity to go home and see my mother for an evening. So it was a blessing to have this opportunity. Have you ever done this type of a drive? You know, across a lot of Canada, the United States before, or is this the first time you're, you're seeing parts of our two great countries this way? Well, I tell you what, it reminded me of my first coaching job when I went uh, out to Western Montana College in Dillon, Montana, and I drove at that time. Now, again, I'm going to date myself, but that's like 1983, and I've got this orange van, and, and I had long hair back in those back in those days, and I'm rolling across the prairies of North Dakota and Montana in this orange van, and you, you couldn't look any more out of place. I'm driving a now I'm driving a family van with a trailer behind it. So, but it's 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 been fun. I tell you what, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful drive. Jeff Reinbold joining us on Inside Sports. So now, once you get to John's place, are, are you got to help unload and set the house up in Edmonton, or, or what's going on? <laughs> That's where I'm drawing the line. I'm gonna help him. I'm gonna help him unload it, but I'm not setting the house up. That's I'm not. Hopefully, I'm gonna get on a plane and fly back to. You know, fly back east because um, you know this. Like I said, I, I just this is a, a way to do a favor for a guy that uh, is very close to me, very close to my heart. Uh, I know the people in Edmonton are just now starting to get to know John and his family. If you don't, and you ever see him, take the opportunity to meet him because John Chick is a rare human being. He's a very special guy. Well, Jeff, that's awesome. It's incredible what you're doing. Um, you know, and it's funny with, with John, too. He's had some bad luck because he hasn't won a game yet this season, though we're hoping that that turns around here uh, in Edmonton quickly. Hey, uh, g- give me I, – I, I, I don't, maybe you don't want to comment specifically on a team, but you've been through ups and downs as a coach. Um, you know, a team like the Eskimos uh-huh. have, are having a good season, but they have a couple of rough outings. When you're on a coaching staff, what's the key to keeping a team upbeat and keeping the focus going after they've had a couple of bad games? Well, I think I think uh, that's really important in our in our league, particularly because it's 18 games. It's 20 weeks. It's a you know, it's a, as Don Matthews used to say, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I know that Jason and that staff have been around it a long time. You got Benny on defense and and uh, Carson Walsh, and you're going to lean on your veteran players, guys like Odell, guys like John, guys like Mike Briley that have been through it and understand that. You know, there are going to be lows. There's going to be high points in the season. You just got to stay consistent and stay to what you do, stay to your process, and you're going to be fine. 
they're going, they're going to be a playoff team. And, you know, the most important thing in our league is get to the playoffs. And, and so, you know, I, I think they've, they've done enough. And, again, I gotta, I'm going to say this unsolicited. I think what their coaching staff has done with the injury situation that they were faced with over the course of the season on offense is just phenomenal. And, you know, Jason and those guys deserve really a lot of praise for how they've kept that team together and kept winning games, finding finding ways to win games. I mean, shoot, they beat us twice, you know, and, and both games came down to the last play. That's what good teams do. They win those kinds of games. Jeff, it's so good to talk to you. That's awesome what you're doing for John Chick. I'll wish you safe travels the rest of the way. I hope we can talk again soon. Take care. All right, my man. Thank you. And you know, I want to say something. This, a lot of this comes from my time in Edmonton. Because when I was in Edmonton that one season, I learned an awful lot about i have been in B.C. and somebody told me there, don't fall in love with the players. And when I came to Edmonton, I had a chance to be around Hugh Campbell and, and I saw what an organization that takes care of its people means. And, you know, seeing Danny Kepley around and seeing the old guys come back once they got, you know, to Halloween and knowing that when the frost was on the pumpkin, it was playoff time, it was Edmonton time. That's because they build a family. you got guys like Dwayne Mandrusiak that just grew up in that organization. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Eskimos in Edmonton is such a special place. Well said, Jeff. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. Jeff Reinbold driving John Chick's stuff across the country. And that year, Jeff was here, 1995. He was the Eskimos defensive coordinator and assistant head coach and certainly stays with them throughout his career. Fun show tonight. We had Karius. You heard from Jeff Reinbold, Drake Kajula, Milan Lucic, Lauren Ford, Darrell Walker, Mike Riley, Brock Sunderland, Jason Moss. If you miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. Of course... Darrell Walker back in green and gold. We have the full story on our website. We have the Eskimos and Stampeders Saturday night, 5.30 countdown to kick off. The game is at 7. We have the Oilers-Young Stars game against the Flames from Penticton at 5 o'clock Friday afternoon. Thanks to our producer, Dave Campbell, the studio producer, Kellen Kennedy, Jays trailing Boston 6-1 in the 8th. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.